0: The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crab is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio.
1: I want you to look this morning to the book of Mark, chapter two. And we're gonna I just want to preach for a few minutes a simple Bible message this morning that I know most of us will know the the stories and the scriptures that I'm going to read. But I'm in, I have an unction today by the Holy Spirit to preach this. I'm going to preach a message this morning about coming to the table. That's what we got to do. We've got, we got to come to the right table. I'm glad my pulpit has evolved and changed into a table up here. I think it does. It keeps my, my you know that this get, was getting a little complicated with all the stuff so I said I need a flat one. Hallelujah. So this was the one we got. But anyway, I I you got to come to the right table. We got to invite people to our table. You have a table in your life that people need to be free you need to invite them to come sit with you at your table. You know, the table is, is where, you know, the table is, is, is a place where the family comes together. Yeah. And we're able, you know, that's why it's good for families every once in a while in our culture, we still get to do it. We, we get to sit down and eat a meal together. Yeah. I think Ruth, you still do your, your family. Ruth has a family night. Curtis's mom been been doing family night for years where she and they invite all the family over to the house and they sit down and sit around the table and uh, there's a reason for that because at the table there's some fellowship that doesn't happen if you don't come to the table just knowing each other's out there and we're so busy we're doing drive-throughs and meals and Uh, You know, we're all busy and and in a hurry, but sometimes we need to stop, be quiet, sit down, and come to the table. Amen? So let's see what Jesus said about this table in Mark chapter 2. Let's begin reading, if we can, in verse, verse 13. And he went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him. And he taught them. And as he passed by. He saw Levi. The son of Alphaeus. Sitting at the receipt of custom. And said unto him. Follow me. And he arose. And he followed him. Now. Now. The, the the folks that sat at the seat of the 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 receipt of custom weren't the most popular people in town. They were looked at as you know they they were tax collectors and people that received money that was uh, it was unjust how much the, the what they would receive. They were looked at as bad people, but when Jesus walked by, he was he was willing. To say to to Levi, he said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, verse 15, that as Jesus sat at meat or to eat in the house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him. Hmm. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? You know what they were ticked off about is who Jesus was willing to sit with at his table. Isn't that right? And I love Jesus because this is what happened to me. When he passed by my life many years ago, he 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 didn't say, now I'll tell you, I I have a nice table at my house, and you know, once you get really straightened out, you can come and eat at my table. I want to tell you that Jesus, before I got straightened out, invited me into the house. He didn't make me stand far off, he didn't make me stand outside the house. Huh? He he invited us into where He was. We also, I'm going to preach like a double angle here today, tell you what Jesus is like, and then also preach what we ought to be like. I want want people to see me, and I want to have a welcoming table. I want people that are different than me to be able to come to my table. I think that's one of the big issues with this injustice is, uh, you know, with the African American people, man, because we just want to yell about it instead of trying to get them get to the table and let's love each other to, and, and have family time. You know, you got to be welcoming pe- people into your heart. That's your house, and to sit down at your table. Amen. So they got mad at him because he welcomed publicans and sinners and they, and the Bible says he didn't have a couple publicans and sinners there. There were many that came. I mean, in our terms today, man, that'd be they, he, he, drug addicts are welcome to the table. Alcoholics are welcome to the table. Amen? People, gay folks and, and homosexuality are invited to the table. It's all right. It's, we we got to reach out to the lost, to the dying and the broken and not forget that there was a time that we were dying and broken and we were invited into the house of Jesus and he, we sat with him and we broke bread with him for the glory of God. And verse, uh, verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole, so they've asked the question, how does he eat with, with publicans and sinners? When, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I've never heard of anybody. I know personally I never have. Just stopped by the doctor's office and made an appointment, or called on the phone, made an appointment just to announce that I don't have any issues and and I'm doing really good and uh, you know everything's I'm I'm healthy, uh, etc. But and I just wanted to come in and announce that to you. No, no, no. I want to tell you what the doctor's for. The doctor's there because there's a lot of sick people. If you go in your doctor's office anytime, all kinds of doctors, right? They're 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 full, man, and and you know because those that are sick need a doctor, and that's what we've got to remember. Get back to that place and as born again Christians, there's a bunch of sick people out. Not everybody is whole yet. I'm whole. We're whole, but man, we can't just be satisfied. See, that's what the that's what these the the uh, the. You know some of those folks that were arguing about why does he eat with these kind of people. That's because they need me to. And they were upset about that. But I want to tell you that there is always going to be a place at my table for the lost and the dying and the broken. And they don't have to get fixed before they get there because I know the doctor. I know the doctor. I got a personal relationship with a great physician. You know, you know, a lot of times when people have a, a really bad diagnosis, uh, you know, we all kind of do it. We'll say something like, oh, I know somebody. He's the best in Cincinnati. You know, I don't know if he is or not, but... I like that somebody believes that he might be, and that's, you know, I don't want to go. I'm not looking for a doctor where somebody said he, he never gets me fixed. I stay, I'm, I'm as sick after I, you know, he never helps me. And, he's, and I really, honestly, I don't know anybody's help. This doctor I'm talking about, everybody that comes to him gets fixed. Huh. Huh it's Pentecost Sunday I can help myself a little bit the doctor that I'm talking about has invited everybody to his practice except he's not he's not practicing trying to get better he's already the perfect physician that he can take a broken heart and he can make it completely sound and whole amen he's a perfect physician He's batting a 1,000. He gets a hit every time. If you come with leprosy, he heals lepers. If you come with a withered hand, he can heal your withered hand. If you come with a drug addiction, he can fix your drug addiction. This doctor has 100%. Amen. Success in the name of Jesus. Shout out loud, we got a good doctor in Jesus. There was one, you know, when we first started finding out about divine healing at our little Pentecostal church, the little white church I went to, we, we, I mean, we got a hold of the word, man. We, we found out that you could stand on the word, you could believe God for your healing. And I don't care if you go to the doctor, the natural, not the Jesus doctor, but the natural doctor, but before you go, you, ought to, you you got to get on the Word and find some verses and stand on it. Yeah. There was one young girl, one of our young, that was in the church, a young uh, pregnant girl. She, she was pregnant and had a little family, and she was pregnant with her next one. And some of her, and you know, some, <laughs> some of these folks, we, we got so whole, a hold of the Word that we didn't know how to balance. Well, you can still go to the doctor if you if needs some help, like having a baby man, don't try to do that on your own. So right? And so but so in our zeal, we weren't always correct about it, but it took us a little while. But, but this this one girl, because her family was putting pressure on her, have you been to the doctor? And she was just believing that everything was okay and she and she and it was. she was doing great. And finally, just to get them off her back, they said, Finally, they pushed her one day and said, we want to know who your doctor is. And she said, it's Dr. Yahweh. That's where I go. I go to Dr. Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to the doctor. And here's here's what I'm saying about him. You... You, you can always get an appointment. Man, right. ha! He's never booked. Usually the real good ones, some of them, you know, you can't even, you, you could, if you look on their website and stuff, they'll say not accepting new patients. Jesus, the great physician for the dying and the lost, always has an appointment available for you. He's never too booked up. Amen. Praise God. Second Samuel, real quick, chapter four, two Samuel four, and I know you know these story, this story, but let's look at it quick. It's about coming to the table. Second Samuel four, and uh, and let's look at just one verse. Now you know the you know the story of David and and Saul and Jonathan. Saul was the king. Jonathan was Saul's son. David was Saul's enemy. But he became Jonathan's covenant friend. And it said in verse 4, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son, but he was lame on his feet. I don't need a Hebrew word about that. I understand that spiritually. Because I, when I was bo- before I got saved, I was lame on my feet spiritually. I couldn't, I couldn't walk right. I, 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 I had a limp. I I wasn't sound. I wasn't okay. And that's what that implies. Yeah. Saul, or Jonathan, Saul's son, who was David's covenant friend, had a son that was lame on his feet. Yeah. He was five years old when the tidings came. Uh, of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, in other words, from a battle, and his nurse, meaning Jonathan's son, his, his nurse took him up, Jonathan's son, and fled, and it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell, and he became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, you listen, and you listen good. Mephibosheth is one of my favorite Bible stories. The name Mephibosheth, it means a dispeller of shame. So even though Mephibosheth was lame on his feet, I'm telling you today, before I get to the guts of this, he he can dispel your shame. God's going to, he's going to make an example out of dispelling shame 2nd Samuel 9 let's look at verse 1 and David okay so David who's David what's his job he's the king and David said is there yet anyone that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness Wait a minute, not because of Saul, but because of Jonathan. The the Hebrew there does say, he says, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him covenant faithfulness for Jonathan's sake? Because Jonathan and David became covenant friends. A covenant friend is different than a regular friend. Pastor Josh is my covenant friend. Huh? I got a lot of friends, but he's my covenant friend because because there's something that happened in our heart that's deeper than just a natural friendship. I remember the night I met Pastor Josh. I just gotten back to Cincinnati from Carlsbad, New Mexico, pastoring, and we were trying to land and see what the will of God was next. And I got back to town. Of course, the first question I want to know is, where's the hot church in town? Where's the Holy Spirit moving? Where's the, somebody that's got the word? Because I need all that. And I kept hearing this name about Pastor Josh and Grace Chapel of Praise in Hamilton, Ohio. And uh, and, and so I kept hearing it. More than, multiple people told me had a radio broadcast called The Power of Love, I think, wasn't it, Pastor? And, and it impacted people in this city, and I heard that broadcast after hearing Pastor Josh's name, but I, and, but, and, uh, and, and the, the next, after I kept hearing about this Pastor Josh, and I just wanted to go and see if he was really as good as everybody was bragging on him about. And I found I was really, it, it wasn't true what everybody was saying. He was better than they were telling me. And so on that Sunday night, I remember Sarah and I driving up Route 4. Amen? And we and I remember where we were, under one of those overpasses right there near, you know, down coming toward Hamilton. And I remember under that overpass, I looked over at Sarah. I said, Sarah, this is, we're really going to like this place tonight. And I was saying that because I felt something in my heart already. This is not just some natural thing where I'm going to go to church and and listen to a good preacher. I'm going to go tonight. Little did I know my destiny would change that night because not only would I encounter a powerful preacher of the gospel, but I would encounter, I would create a covenant friend. The beginning of that, that relationship began to form. And he didn't let me down that night. He preached like a man from another world. And the Spirit of God was in there. And that place was rocking. And we had a blessed time. And since that night, we began to form that relationship. And we have been covenant friends through the years. Amen. That was back in 1983 when we came together. And so we give God praise for it. Well, that's... That's the kind of relationship that David and Jonathan had. And David's sitting on his throne. He could do anything. You know, when you're the king, that means you get to do whatever you want to do any given day. You You get to tell people what to do. Amen. And of all the things that David could do, I'm still talking about coming to the table. David said, you know, I've been, thinking, I've been thinking about my covenant friend, Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan was gone, and, and David was missing his covenant friend. And, 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 and David, he, he thought, I can't get to Jonathan, but is there anybody left that's got, a, got something to do with him? Yeah. Is there anybody that he's connected to? Because when I made a covenant relationship with Jonathan, I just didn't make it with Jonathan. I made it with Jonathan and all of the people that, were un- that would come out of him and would be connected to him. And Jonathan was David's covenant friend, but David said, I want to show some covenant friendship and faithfulness. I want, to, I want Jonathan to know that even though he's not here, praise God, I'm that covenant faithfulness that we created is not, it, it didn't die when he died. He said, Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show covenant friendship and faithfulness to? Somebody say amen. amen. And there was in the house of Saul, verse 2, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him to David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, "Is Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God or the covenant faithfulness of God unto him? And Ziba said to the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. So what we read in 2 Samuel 4, here he is now. And the king said unto him, I love this. The king said, where is he? I want you to know today, I don't care if you're lame on your feet. The king of kings and the Lord of lords wants to show you some kindness today. Huh? He wants to show some goodness to you. Well, yeah, but David's covenant friend was Jonathan. Why would Jesus want, to want anything to do with us? Why would God want anything to do with us? That's because of Jesus, man. Because of God's covenant with Jesus, God wants to know that, that that even though Jesus has came and come and gone that that I that God hasn't forgotten about that covenant friendship Amen. right Amen. and 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 Jesus created that friendship and that relationship with us and 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 I love that I don't know that when I read that the other day that hit me when he said to him when he told him, there's Jonathan, and the king said, where is he? You know, God's looking for, for people today. He, he's looking for people. He's looking for people that, that are out there lame, broken, dying, confused, angry, mad, hurt, scared, drunkards, alcoholics, homosexuals, huh, greedy people, liars, cheaters, thieves, Jesus is, is trying to get them in. He's, in order to fix them, he's got to get them into the house. And in order to get them in the house, he's got to, he's, he's got to get us to the table, man. Amen. He said, uh, and and the king said, where is he? Verse 4, and Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. I want to know, listen, man. I got fetched when Jesus called me into the house. Huh? He fetched me into the house. He fetched him into the house. Verse 6. And when Mephibosheth, the son of David, the son of Saul, was come to David, He fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. Huh? Fear not. Because I will surely show you kindness. I will show you covenant fellowship and friendship like I had with your dad. And I don't even know you, but I knew your dad. And because I made a covenant with your dad, that covenant is an everlasting covenant. And I'm making it with all of your daddy's offspring. And I don't care if you're lame on your feet. See, John, Mephibosheth, he he didn't know, but he didn't know why the king wanted him. He, he was just a young kid that that couldn't walk, amen. When Mephibosheth came and and he fell on his face and did reverence, and and he answered, behold your servant, verse 7, and David said unto him, fear not, for I will surely, you ought to underline the word surely there, surely show you kindness, kindness. For Jonathan, your father's sake. Now watch this. Come on, praise team. Huh? And I, watch this now. And I will restore thee. What? He said, I'll restore thee. I, I'm the king. I got the power to, I got all the power of this kingdom and the kingdom of God is at my disposal. He said, I don't care what's happened to you. He said, I will restore you, and all, and listen to this now, and all the land of Saul thy father, watch this now, and you shall eat bread at my table, how long? Continually. I'm thankful today that our covenant friendship with God through Jesus, that it can take us all the way through, that we are called to the table to eat continually. I wasn't just called to come and get saved. I've been sitting at that table for all these years as God has been doing exactly that. He's restoring everything in my life. God is a great restorer of that. You ought to grab that right there remember when Kathy Mink was preaching that night she said she was at that, at that service down at Brother Copeland's and the guy in the row in front of her, every time they'd say something that had a promise tagged to it, that guy would lean forward and shout and he would say it kind of not loud, he didn't want to make a scene but he would say it loud enough people around him could hear it, he said I'll take that or that's mine that's mine, I'll take that huh? I'm telling you, some of these gold nuggets, man, you gotta say that's what you gotta say. That's mine, and I'll take that. Huh? So those of you that were lame, those of you that were dying and were down, I want you to know tonight that there is a promise. He's gonna restore everything to you. And you're gonna take, you're gonna have all the land of Saul. To you for yourself, and you will eat bread at my table continually. Look at verse 8. This is what we might be tempted to say. And he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog like I am? That's how Mephibosheth felt about himself. Well, I can relate to Mephibosheth because that's how I felt when Jesus started calling me to himself hallelujah then the king called to Ziba Saul's servant said unto him I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and all of his house so he told Mephibosheth what he was going to do now he's telling Ziba the servant that brought him there and he said in verse 10 look at this is powerful too You therefore and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. Ha! I'm going to give him all this land of of his grandfather Saul. I'm going to restore him. And you, right, are his servant. You're, You're part of the house of Saul. And I commission you, you're going to till all that land. In other words, you're going to break up the ground because this this young man that's just come to my table is going to have a great harvest. You, look what he said. You till the land for him and bring in the fruits that my master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth thy master's son Shall eat bread always at my table. Now watch. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Guess what they became? They became tillers of the field of Mephibosheth. And they. And I love this because not only did Mephibosheth not have to till the ground, not only did Mephibosheth not have to harvest the fruit, praise God. He didn't do any of the work. You know what he did? He just settled in at the table, at the king's table, and enjoyed the restoration for the glory of God. Today, those of you that are live streaming with us, I believe that the spirit of Mephibosheth is is here today to dispel your feeling of shame. That, that you've carried with you, like Mephibosheth did because he was lame. And today by the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, I, I, don't you, I, you know, i still got a battle. It's why I believe in the, the Word of God re- restoring stuff. I Sometimes that shame tries to get on, you know, when you made a mistake the other day, then shame tries to, to get on your back and ride around with you. But thank God the Spirit of Mephibosheth is with us today. And all our shame is dispelled today. We don't have any shame because we came to the table of the king at his own invitation. And he's putting our life back together again. I don't know about you, but I would shout right now, that's mine. Say it out loud. That's mine. Say it like you mean it. That's mine. Everybody at home, shout it out loud. That's mine. And I take it. I take it. That was a week I take it. I take it. I take it. I'm taking that restoration. I'm taking that healing by the power of God. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand up today.
0: We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Amago Day, please visit our website at amagodaysincy.com. I am A G O D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crab and Amago Day, please visit our website at ImagoDaysensi.com. I M A G O D E I C I N C Y dot com.